Welcome to Living Well with Rentwell, the podcast for anybody who's thinking about getting into real estate, in real estate, and wants to take their game to the next level. I'm your co-host, TJ Hawk. And I am your co-host, Rob Coldwell. All right, everybody. Rob Coldwell here, Living Well with Rentwell. I'm here with a soon-to-be friend, right? We don't know each other all that well. Devin, but you're 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 in the we're in similar spaces. You're you're doing this in Texas. You've been doing this for quite a while. When we were just getting ready for the show notes, you said, "Yeah, you do it. You do it long enough. You start to see the same buildings come available for sale. You you remember touring them years ago, and and a friend bought that building, and you. So here we are, right? What we'd love to know your your company is DJE. Texas Management Group, and you have a concentration in San Antonio, which I just love. I love that you've like the diamonds in your own backyard is what some advisors call it, call it to me. So mm-hmm. let's just jump right in here, my friend. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what your first real estate deal was like. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, Rob. Really looking forward to catching up and we definitely kind of run some of the same circles. So awesome to connect here. Um, I was born and raised in San Antonio. I actually graduated college here and got married and I have three, uh, three kids now. I've been married 15 years, had a kind of a traditional track college and then corporate stuff, worked for tech company and a medical device company. And at some point in my thirties, um, early thirties, I was like, uh, pretty gung ho in the corporate stuff for a few years. And then I kind of got jaded along the way. I couldn't find any heroes, I think is what I like to say. I didn't want to be anybody in my company. Mm. Um, And I remember the CEO of one of our companies said, God, if I had it to do over, I'd come back as a founder. This CEO stuff is hard work. (laughs) But uh, kind of started thinking about entrepreneurship. I had an older brother who was an entrepreneur his whole life and kind of got to watch him go through that. So I started studying in 2008 for what are some avenues to develop really passive income. And I think if you start to pursue that, you're not pursuing it very long before you come to real estate. So some point here, been, you know, married, had a kid, had a family now, uh, start to take things a little more seriously as a, a, a man tends to do after he gets married and has a family, right. started looking for passive income, ended up at a real estate weekend seminar and they closed me on a Sunday and I paid the 10 grand to join the, the group and th- to teach me how to um, do rental houses. And then there's, there's also a component around multifamily, which I certainly wasn't ready for, but it first time I even ever heard anybody talk about owning an apartment building. So I joined that course and a month later, I'm buying this $40,000 house on the South side of San Antonio, three blocks away from where I grew up and where my father still lives. And that was, uh, I mean, it's like a tiny deal for, for me or for our company now, but it was super special for me at the time because I grew up without uh, a lot of resources, awesome family. You know, I had so many opportunities, but we didn't have any money. Right. Um, and so to go back to the neighborhood that I was from and buy and own a piece of it was like this huge milestone for me. So it was, the house was $38,000. I bought it from a wholesaler. This was in 2012. So a decade plus ago, Mm -hmm. it was, a so kind of a textbook deal. I think if, if anybody's looked at doing single family real estate, 40, uh, $38,000 purchase. 
10, 12 K in rehab, which I thought was just this astronomical amount of money. Uh, I got a hard money loan at 12% and probably three points and every fee in the book was in there. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they get away with all of it, but this is what my mentor taught me to do. Hey, you get hard money loan, you buy a distressed house, you fix it up, put a tenant in it, and then you refinance it. And you know, it's that burr thing that bigger pockets is, um, has popularized that term. Obviously people have been doing some form of that for a long time. And I just remember thinking, I wish somebody would have showed me this in high school. Like it wasn't that hard. It was, it took some learning, but fundamentally I was using other people's money, a contractor, other people's time, a wholesaler, that's somebody else's time. Um, and, and other people's knowledge, you know, I had a mentor and I was just kind of quarterbacking the whole thing. And when I was done, I had a house that appraised for, you know, $70,000 or whatever it was. Um, maybe it was Those numbers that, would work. Yeah. But it was enough to pull out my capital. I think I had like five or six K left in the deal. And so it was just what they told me it was going to be. It was, mm. you, you buy it with high, high interest debt. you you fix it up, finance out of it. Now i got, you know, my basis is, or my, my equity in the deal is five, six grand. I have a tenant. I have, so I think it was $25,000 of equity. I've never seen that much money in my life in, in, in one shot. And even though it was just equity, wasn't realized it was still just fired me up. Cause it was all the things that they told me about at this weekend seminar, building equity, cash flow, you know, depreciation, appreciation, all this right. stuff. And, um, so that was my first project. Um, ended up hanging on to it for a number of years, ended up selling it a few years later for a hundred and you know, $50,000, something like that. So it was a good, good equity capture many years later, but it, it was a turning point in my life. It was after that project, I was, I was like, this is it, this is going to take years to build, but this is how I'm going to be free. Cause you know, I'm looking at your video, you got freedom behind you. That is a common theme among entrepreneurs. That's kind of my, my number one value, right? Is what can I set up? So I've got freedom now. Obviously, I value many other things, but freedom kind of being the forefront allows me to do all those other things. So uh, real estate is just a vehicle, you know, for personal development and for for freedom in lots of different ways. And so that was the that was the first project, um, you know, messy deal, old deal, tough tenants, you know, contractor stuff, you name it. Right. It wasn't e it wasn't easy, but it was pretty simple to understand and then replicate. So I went out and did a, a whole bunch more of those after that. Um, you want me to kind of fast forward a little bit to wh where we are today with the company and kind of where we're at, or you want to get into that later? So let's, let me pause there. Re sure. Recap that just a bit. So were you, were you working? While oh, yeah. that was going on, you, you Working. kept your corporate job, you're married. Now you start to grow the family Yep. and you, what I heard you say was like, you didn't forget the, you didn't have a hero in that meaning that when you looked up that corporate ladder, there wasn't some of you're like, this is what I want it to be like. Mm -hmm. And then you made a distinction between founder and CEO. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was very interesting. So great. So you, so that was your. Then you have a family member who is doing more of that entrepreneurial spirit. So you're willing to take the risk. You were willing to, God, I can think back because I think we're about the same age. Our families are about the same size. We got in this real estate thing, you know, similar. And yeah, 10,000 bucks is, is a lot. I mean, that's basically almost your profit on that first deal. But for you and, and, and you, you didn't go into the whole story, but like, yeah, it didn't go fabulously probably with the contractor. I'm sure there's a lot of 
learning and level setting expectations there. And then there's the resident side and, and it didn't, it wasn't enough to scare you off. So you still had like, okay, I can, I can do this. So it may be as opposed to jumping to today, because mm-hmm. today is that air's thinner up there. I mean, you can give us mm-hmm. a, a high level of what it looks like today, but I'd like you to still bring us back into what was that learning curve to get to those maybe that dozen or whatever threshold you would consider. So yeah, take us up to the 40,000 feet level now. And, 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 and if you're listening to this, you can go to djetexas.com and, 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 and Devin's website's out there and his information's out there. But so what's 40,000 feet briefly, then let's dive into that next phase. Yeah, sure. So today we've got uh, about 80 employees vertically integrated. We own and control about a quarter billion dollars of real estate in San Antonio and Central Texas across multifamily land and industrial stuff, and we manage all of it. Um, We've got about a thousand investors in our projects, and I I like the kind of quarter billion dollar assets under management because that boy, that's one easy number that just Mm -hmm. says if I run a if I run a spreadsheet out of our CRM on you know, kind of current values of everything we own, it's, you know, $230 million. Got it. So a lot of nuance there, but that's, that's the punchline. And the land is land just yet waiting to be developed or is it agricultural use? What, what are you doing with the land? You know, we just buy big ranches and subdivide them. We might buy 500 acres and sell 425 acre tracks. And okay. just by doing that, we force some appreciation. Really interesting, totally different model. I love it. I, I love being on the ranch and everything about kind of ranches and, uh, you know, raising animals. That's a whole, that's a whole other thing, but it's turned out to be a, a great business uh, avenue for us as well. So there's, there's some of that in the portfolio for sure. Got it. Got it. And your asset class, you were talking before, it's, it's mostly BC. Yeah. Mostly B and C multifamily, call it seventies and eighties construction, um, 200 to 400 unit stuff in San Antonio. Okay. So how do you go from that one buy it with, with the hard money and every fee in the book and have the contractor and then have the tenant? What was the next phase for you? Yeah. So I inherited a hundred million dollars from my grandfather. No, I'm kidding. Didn't yeah. do that. Um, that would have been awesome. But uh, didn't happen. It was one foot in front and of the other. And you lost 99. No, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And lost most of it. No, I didn't inherit anything. Um, it, one foot in front of the other for the last 10 years. I mean, there's, there was, there's, no, there's no huge breakthroughs along the way. Other than, I think, making the transition from single family to multifamily. That was a pretty big breakthrough. Okay. You know, kind of getting the idea of doing, instead of doing a $150,000 transaction, doing a $15 million transaction. Okay. That was a game changer to kind of wrap my head around that. But it was the How first many transactions in between that first one to where you were. I'm not going to say yeah. where you're, where it was in your comfort zone, because I'm sure it was out of your comfort zone, Absolutely. but you still had the ability to pull it together. What did that time horizon and, and, and summary deals in between there look like? Yeah, I was, um, so first house I'm hooked. I'm like, I don't care what it takes. This is going to happen. And I think that's an important thing for any aspiring entrepreneur to hear. Uh, it seems to me that the common denominator of successful entrepreneurs is they jumped and they put it all on the table. And I th- there must have been a thousand situations in the first couple of years where 
it would have been logical and certainly easier to just throw in the towel. But I kind of made this commitment day one. I was like, this is, you know, this is it. This is going to be it. I remember telling my wife when we were doing Dave Ramsey and literally eating beans and rice, I was like, we're going to be wealthy. I'm going to figure it out. And it even sounded stupid saying, but I was like, I'm committed to this. Yes. So that that's kind of all that matters. The only thing that matters is that I'm committed to it. I, there's lots I don't know, but I know I'm committed to it from the very first house. So for one house, and then it started repeating, um, what was working. I was talking to a young guy last night at a meetup event and he's asking for some advice. I'm like, it sounds like you got something that's working, man. You're asking me about these 10 other things. Do more. You you already got some success in this piece you're telling me about. Go do that a lot more and build up some capital and some experience. And so that's what I did. I just had this house thing that worked and didn't require, um, it required a lot of capital, but it was mostly other people's capital, hard money. So I started doing more houses, you know, and my, my first goal was let me replace my income. You know, this is kind of right out of rich dad, poor dad. The definition of wealth is your monthly bills covered by passive income. Mm -hmm. And that that, to me, I was like, that's it. That is it. Uh, And so that's what I worked on. Took me two and a half years to do that of absolutely burning the candle at both ends. So married two kids, three kids, a full-time job, you know, wake up in the morning, drive over to the work site, check in, go to work, work, lunchtime, leave work, go sign a closing at Starbucks with the escrow officer to come meet yeah. me out, go back to work, work till five or six, six o'clock, go back to the, another job site, check on some stuff every day for two and a half years. Right. And, and, and so, um, but again, I was committed. So it just didn't matter. Right. Yeah. It was sock. I didn't care what it took, um, to do that. So over that time, did a lot of houses in the portfolio that got me over two and a half years of burning the candle at both ends to that kind of liftoff point, which I would call cash flow equals bills or cash monthly cash flow covers bills was was like 22 doors. There was a six unit multifamily and then a handful of single family rentals that were all renovated, refinanced and rented producing good cash flow. And that was all kind of dotted throughout San Antonio. And so at that point, the the plan was, okay, I've got a good six figure job. I could, and I, and you know, if I had gotten one or two more promotions, I would not be an entrepreneur because I was wow. kind of right there at that comfort level of, and, and but man, I got a family and, and all this, but I was I knew I had to build this entrepreneurial thing because one more promotion in life would have just been too good. Why, why risk it? So I feel like I kind of, uh, you know, I don't say dodged a bullet, you know, I, I, there's honor in work. I don't, I don't, uh, belittle anyone that works or chooses a career. Great. You know? Um, but that's what, that's what it was for me. So I got to the passive income to cover my bills and then I turned in my, my resignation under the, you know, the thesis that, gosh, if I've been, I've been able to build this thing absolutely in my spare time. You know, I obsess about it at night after family goes to sleep. I obsess about it 24 seven. I listen to podcasts and then I'm out there doing the work. I'm buying stuff. I'm transacting. I'm overseeing renovations. I'm doing the work. And this is all kind of with a full time job. So I thought, 
if I, you know, and now I've built up, gosh, I've built up some net worth. Holy moly. I built up way more net worth than, than what I'm making at work. It would take me years to, to, to do this. So I, was, I was starting to see the picture, cash flow, net worth. And I just thought if I had all my time and energy to focus on this, I bet, I bet big things could happen. So after two and a half years, submitted my resignation and went full-time into it. And that was also kind of the time that coincided with getting into multifamily. So I'd done that six unit deal, no partners, just me and the bank. I wanted to test out this multifamily thing, but I had been learning multifamily from some guys that were older, further along and better capitalized than me. So I'd been following along and taking notes during these two and a half years where I wanted to go to multifamily. I just takes money and I didn't have it or, and it takes experience and it takes confidence to raise capital, which me, my confidence to raise capital only came through a tremendous amount of repetitions, borrowing money from people a hundred or 200,000 at a time on a house, executing, returning it. Okay. Okay. That went well. All right. That person trusted me. Okay. Another one, borrow it, execute, return capital and, you know, and upside. Okay. That went well. And, and doing that like literally dozens of times before my first multifamily syndication, where I partnered with some people raise a million dollars in one shot. I mean, it took me, years and a lot of repetitions to be okay with me taking somebody else's money into a deal, I guess is what it, what it took. Um, and that, uh, that other money leading up to this point, did you get away from the hard money and do more of what I would call like the private money, the friends and family? So you're used to paying back and you're comfortable and you're hitting these singles and doubles. Is that what that evolution looked like for you? Yeah, hundred percent. I think my first six or eight single family deals. I mean, from the very first one, next one, next one, we're all hard money and hard. Look, hard money is great, right? I mean, it's access to, it's, it's access to capital. And if you don't have access to capital, real estate is very capital intensive. If you don't have access to capital, you're not doing real estate. So you need something, but I was doing a presentation at a meeting at, you know, real estate meetup on all these houses I'd done showing numbers. And a gentleman comes up and says, Hey, it looks like, you know what you're doing. And I've got some money. I'd putting a first lien against these and do it a little bit cheaper than that and probably be a little easier to work with. And so I couldn't believe it. This guy's going to give me a hundred grand. Yeah, now trust. he's giving it to me papered up with a first lien, but it still felt like this guy's going to give me a hundred thousand dollars. Like, yeah. holy moly. And that was a huge, you know, light bulb for me because we went on to do millions of dollars, millions and tens of millions of dollars of transactions, a hundred, 250 at a time on these houses. <clears throat> so it was a transition to private lending. And that was, you know, that was my first investor. And, um, after I'd kind of done some stuff with him, I put, put a deck together on my track record, my growing track record. And I showed it to somebody else that I thought this guy's interested. Maybe this other person interested. Well, sure enough, they wanted to do a deal. So now I had two investors and it literally, I mean, that, that's how it started. One investor, Worked out. I kind of built my confidence. Let's see if I could get somebody else to potentially uh, right. be interested in this. Yep. And then pretty soon it's three and then four. And then, you know, a few years later, it's a multifamily deal where it's a couple, two and a half million dollar equity raise. I'm in a partnership with two other people. I'm going to bring a million. Maybe there's 10 people now that want to do it. And that that's just how it gone very organically. Um, since then to, to today, just one foot in front of the other. That's, that's wonderful. And, and meanwhile, <clears throat> so you make that initial trend 
transition with the, the, the 22 houses. Mm-hmm. Your wife's on board with it. Yeah. Amazingly. So she's been on board since day one. Um, you got your ride or die. I call man, it. Right? You know, there was one time Wonderful. when she, when she broke down in tears, uh, at my suggestion and we, I read the Dave Ramsey book and that, that was actually the start of our journey to financial freedom was learning how to live on literally beans and rice and nothing and selling cars, you know, like we lived on nothing. And I think that was actually a really important first step because, um, really taught me budgeting discipline. Mm-hmm. And it really also taught me that if you go all in on something, you can really move fast. And when we went all in on paying off, you know, a little bit of credit card debt, nothing, you know, $20,000, some student loans, again, tens of thousands of dollars. So it's not like we were in debt millions of dollars, but we had some debt, right? And we went all in on the day range stuff, paid off. So there was a time my wife cried. I said, Hey, I read this book. And I think we need to sell your car and get you a chunker and we're going to pay off our debt. And, and that's going to, we're, you know, we're going to build something big one day. She started crying, um, which is, you know, th- but ever since then, yeah, yeah. she's been on board a hundred percent. And she, uh, that's, I don't know if you can overstate the importance of that if you're, if you're married. So she's been on board the whole time. And, um, that's been a huge part of, you know, any success we've had for sure. So how did you handle the Dave Ramsey would, would he approve of how you're building this real estate? I mean, he's a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people only hear the one side of it. Yeah. Can you help them with the other side of it, which is the, the way I was raised by my first mentor, Rob, it's not the money you make, it's the money you keep. Great. Mm-hmm. Check that box, right? That's Dave yeah. Ramsey. That's uh, solid tax planning, right? That's watching expenses. Then out of what you keep, how much debt can you take on to build assets? Is that Dave Ramsey as well? No, this Dave Ramsey's got these steps, right? And we went through three or four of them. I don't remember. It's been a hundred years since we did it, but the couple of steps of, you know, save a thousand dollar emergency fund, um, cut your expenses. We started going through the pay off your debts, debt snowball. We did all that. And then yes. we got to the step. I don't remember where it was. Pay off your house. And I was like, boy, you know, my rate's 4%. Um, this is a lot of, you know, six-figure mortgage. It's going to take me a while. And at the same time, I'd been introduced to real estate investing. And that's, right. when, I, that's when my path separated okay. from, from Dave okay. So I didn't, go, I didn't go through the whole thing. And, and my philosophy completely changed into this idea that um wealth is built through leverage right mm. so i kind of started on that track took it up to the point where you pay off your house and i thought then the math really kicked in i was Got like it. this doesn't make sense i would rather go and then i learned how to go do a house and go oh this is this is way better i've got twenty thirty thousand dollars equity in this house that i could do part-time leveraging other people's money through private lending or, or hard money. And this is way better. Also started reading books, meeting people, getting in the, in the right rooms where everybody did that. And, you know, I haven't looked back since. So it's all any business, it's all leverage, right? It's leveraging other people's knowledge, other people's time and other people's money. And so I've, I've embraced that since, really kind of since that first house a few years before that though, was that 
um, you know, paying off debt and all that, which I think for clearly there's an audience there and there's a demographic that needs to hear that. And that might even be most people that need to hear that. Save a thousand dollars, you know, watch your expenses, live below your means. I don't know who, who needs to hear that, but I bet it's probably the majority of people. So I think that message resonates. Now is Dave Ramsey very, you know, ex- accomplished businessman and got all kind of other ventures going absolutely. And, and kudos to him. So, um, it was helpful at that phase, I think. And then, you know, you stay open to adopt more useful things as they, as they come. Yes. And so you're, so you're starting with paying for the courses and you're executing on it and you're, and you're hitting those singles, singles and doubles, singles and doubles. You share that you're, you know, somebody came up to you and I, this happens to me quite a bit where it's like what they're doing worked. It just, I feel like for a lot of people, they feel like it's not fast enough or they want the dopamine hit of trying something else. Yes. Right. And it's just like, and, and it's like, they don't want to hear, dude, what you're doing is working. It, it doesn't need to be sexy and scary anymore. Just keep doing that or scale yourself out of doing that mm-hmm. as much as there are one or a few or a couple extra steps that, that you could then teach somebody else how to do. Let them do that on your behalf. Keep rolling. And then you mentioned subtly that you found some mentors. You you. What did that look like? Because at this point, what I'm also hearing is you, you know, there's the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And then now I think, uh, you know, it's, it's who knows you. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of speaking for free to those REI groups, putting yourself out there, showing that here's what, here's what's working. Here's what didn't work. This is what I'm learning. Right. And and how did that mentorship come along with those larger multifamily owners? And and do you have any advice for the listener that is in a similar position that wants to learn about like because there is a point where the system is there and the singles and doubles work, but now to leverage your energy and your focus and then the capital, it does make sense to then ratchet it up a notch. So one settlement is 250 doors. It's right. It's one title policy. It's right. a transaction. It's right. a, it's one lease and one lawn contract. And you're in Texas. So I don't think you get a lot of snow. And when you guys do, it seems to shut everything down. Oh we're in, God, we're in matter. outside of Philadelphia. It's all the time, but <laughs> you, you, you get my point. So what did those, what did those mentorships look like? How do you recommend people seek out those, those relationships. Yeah, it's such an important question. For me, I was part of a group that I joined and paid money and got to be around these guys. Um, funny, I never ended up doing multifamily deals in that group. Okay. But I got to be friends, like real, you know, real friend, go out and have a beer friends with some of these guys that were doing it. They had a thousand doors. And I'll tell you, you know, there's one time I'll never forget. I'm, I'm at dinner with one of these guys that owns a thousand doors and, and I'm sitting next to him and he's like, yeah, man, you, you're busy. You know, you're doing all these real estate deals. You, you, you need to buy a hundred units. And I was like a hundred units. That's, that sounds terrifying. He's like, look, man, once you go home and I want you to write on your right whiteboard, hundred units, go figure it out. He's like, come on, you, you can do it. Go do it. And you know, just somebody telling you something is so different sometimes than anything you read anything you tell yourself 
you know, business and life, I mean, the principles are pretty simple, right? But we don't want to do them or we don't want to hear it. Sometimes somebody telling you something just does something to you. And then I'm a, a huge believer of, you know, we just mimic our peer group, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, you start hanging around with people, stealing cars, you're probably going to start stealing cars. Um, start hanging around people, buying big apartment complexes, assuming that's something you want to do. It just rubs off on you. So kind of having those personal relationships. And for me, it was a big cut growing up with, without any money or context around how, I mean, my kids are going to grow up with this full context and network of how deals get done. I mean, I talk to them about it all the time. They see stuff, they meet business partners. Like that's going to be not foreign to them. Right. It was completely foreign to me. And so it took a couple of years of, of being around this peer group to even wrap my head around the idea of, of doing these kind of size transactions. So, but it was personal interactions, personal relationships with people that were, were doing it. And then a ton of education on my own, right? I mean, there's a lot of education you can do on your own, you know, underwrite a hundred deals or whatever, you know, listen to a thousand podcasts, you know, stuff like that, that I was just obsessed with. Um, and then, and then meeting people and then starting to go to conferences, national conferences that were spoke, focused on multifamily. And then once I started actually buying, you know, speaking at those conferences and just immersing myself with it, with the idea that we just mimic our peer group. And so, um, getting started for me was befriending a couple of these guys that had built these portfolios and getting to spend some, some time with them and just be influenced and just see that it was possible. As far as somebody else getting that education, I, um, you know, you gotta be selective, but I like paying for a fast forward button. If, if, it, you know, not blindly, you're not just going to hire consultants for every aspect of your business. You're not just going to join coaching and mastermind groups just because you're addicted to it. Although that is a thing. We know people that, you know, are in 15 mastermind groups and that's, you know, that's a prerogative. So uh, you want to be selective, but my experience has been, if I'm, if I do my diligence and I join the right groups, that's absolutely been the right move for me a number of times. And so I do advocate that just be careful, do your due diligence and then make sure you're up for it. Right? Like mm. you can join something and somebody can tell you something, but are you willing to, that's 1%. Are you willing to do the 99% of the, of the work that's required? And, um, most people are not. So be honest with yourself about whether you're up for the, to be actually committed to it. But yeah, I, I think, um, I think joining a group to do anything to, to, you know, if you want to buy apartments or you want to, you know, get serious about your physical fitness and do X, Y, Z class, you know, you want to be, um, a pilot. I mean, there's groups for all that stuff, all these interests for anything you want. And I think, you know, certain real estate aspects are no different. And I, I like it. Um, cause if you go on Twitter, you go in bigger pockets, you're going to, as a beginner, you're going to be pulled in a million different directions. You're not gonna do anything. You really need to dial it in, get super clear and get a, a mentor that has the result that you want and copy them and listen to them. Don't listen to all this stuff on the internet because you, you drive yourself crazy with that stuff. Great advice. Sound advice. I would, that power of community, then it is just, as you said, it's just, it becomes the norm. Right. It, it just becomes the norm. And the how then reveals itself, right? Yeah. 100%. And you are continuing, it seems, to level up your own game 
So let's talk about what that game looks like right now. I'm on, I'm on your website, right? Mm-hmm. have a great bio sheet on you. And it's in the thousands of units. You mentioned being vertically integrated, mm-hmm. right? Which that resonates with me. That is that is what we're building out here on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Really purposely building that out. And in some cases, we might be almost too vertically integrated. I mean, we're, yeah. we're even cutting our own grass and, yeah. and, and, uh, and that's fine. You know, we don't do it for every property based upon geography, but there's certain things that we learn. And what is it, what does your organization look like now? And, and how does that vertically integrate, how does the being vertically integrated help you to, I was surprised when I saw this number of doors and the town that you're in. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that you're able to do that in, in, in a tight geography of one town. It makes a, I think, I think maybe some people would argue that there could be risk in only being in one town. Sure. Right. Yep. Uh, but, but yeah, take it, take, take it away, Devin. What, what does that look like today? Yeah. We're, we're vertically integrated out of, uh, you know, you, you do things out of inspiration or desperation. And this is a, this was a desperation move where we had a couple of assets with a third party management company that just kind of went disastrously wrong. And there was either I was going to put another third party management company on them or I was going to start it myself. And fortuitously, um, somebody that I had a professional relationship with was a regional manager at another management company, left that company and texted me one weekend. Hey man, I left this job just letting you know. And so that whole weekend I thought I got to hire this guy because I'd already known him for a couple of years and really, really respected him. So I thought I was going to hire him as like an asset manager or, you know, that, that Jim Collins idea, good to great, get the right people on the bus and then figure out the seats. And I thought I got to get this guy on the bus. And at the time my company's like me and like an office manager, right? I was doing investor relations, asset management, capital raising, the whole thing. So he comes on as employee number one to build the property management company. And, um, that's how we've grown, you know, to 80 employees. So I think of our, our company, there's three legs on the stool, there's team leg, there's deals and there's money. And so he's now been promoted numerous times. He's the COO of DJE companies now of this company, you know, these, this, this series of companies that owns a quarter billion dollars of real estate. And really he's the only person in the entire organization that reports to me. So I, I, um, and there's a process over, over years to, for him to get to COO, but I kind of base that on, um, the book rocket fuel by Gina Wickman, right? Where you've got your visionary and your integrator. And that's, that's what we did. So I actually was wanting to bring in an integrator from outside for about six months. And then, then I realized, man, I've got this guy right here. So, he's been my COO now for a while and is my integrator and is the, the team leg of the stool. Uh, I'm still the deal leg of the stool. And then we have a head of investor relations okay. been with us for years. It's the, the money leg of the stool. So that's how the company's grown. Um, I think, you know, a huge part of it is, is being able to hand stuff off um, and, and trying to get better at that and bring in, I mean, at this, at this level with this amount of assets and 80 employees, Anything that comes to me, not anything, most things that come to me, there's a person for that. You know, we get this finance thing, 
goes to the accounting department. We get this transaction thing, goes to this person. We get this insurance thing, goes to this person. So that's, as far as I've seen, really kind of the only way to do it. So at this point, I'm kind of overseeing, directing, and uh, it almost functions more like a family office. I'm the largest investor in any project that we have, but then we do bring in on investor capital as well. So that's that's kind of how it works um, today. I don't know if that kind of really directly answers the question, but that's kind of a high level of what it's what it's structured like today. And and it's approximately five thousand doors all purchased. That's all time. So plenty of those we've sold out. Of. Okay. Right now we manage about twenty two hundred doors, and you that you have an equitable interest in. Oh yeah, yeah. We're the general partner. Got it. So you're the GP. Yep. And the staff of eighty. How far down or across, I should say, do you go into maintenance staff, mm-hmm. HVAC techs, uh, on site staff? Yep. What leasing? All of it. All yeah. of it. All we don't. It. We still use uh, GCs because the the work is kind of lumpy, right? We might have a three hundred thousand dollar, four hundred thousand dollar project. Yes. Where, dude, we got to bring on a GC for that. Like, we, we don't have enough work and a pipeline of four hundred thousand dollar deals right. to support a, a, a general contracting company. Believe me, I've thought of it. Right, shiny object, and <laughs> you know, all that fun stuff. I like starting companies, but um, we do have a director of construction. So one person in house that oversees kind of all our construction projects that are ongoing and basically manages GCs and manages vendors. But yeah, right down the maintenance guy on site. Um, that's us, right? Leasing agent. Um, and then, so you really kind of got two companies, although we don't, mm-hmm. we don't really try to sell it that way internally. We'd say, Hey, this is one company, but we basically have a private equity arm and a property management arm. Right. And so, you know, private equity asset management arm. And I've kind of got, it feels like cheating almost. I really use a lot of the property management team for asset management too, which is really nice because they're, when I was using third party, I always found this big disconnect between property management and asset management. And it's the same, it's the same team. So, you know, we, we can talk with the property management leadership about financials, about banking stuff, about draws, about investor distributions, and to have that integrated. Oh my yes. gosh. It's, it's beautiful. The, it's beautiful. the, uh, coming from the third party property management. I mean, at our peak, we managed 3000 doors Mm -hmm. for close to a thousand investors. So it was all smaller, single family. And I think it was five States. Oh my goodness. And we sold off four States, all at a profit, took capital gains, invested into real estate and qualified opportunity zones for some of it. Yep. And what we do is like the big league burrs we buy. So What's interesting is where you are, it seems that the inventory, the housing stock is 1970s and 80s. Mm-hmm. In, in a lot of the Northeast, we have stuff that's turn of the century. That's wild, yeah. Right? So it's knob and tube wiring and there was yeah. no air ducts back then and, and all that. <laughs> but the inefficiencies of managing other people's real estate, it is just so clunky. And you're right. It's, 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 it's all this work. And what you're saying is – your property management is really leads all the way into like that owner's rep or that asset management, right? So you can probably make decisions quicker Then the team probably has less stress because they can move faster because anybody who's good in property management wants to get stuff done yeah. when they wanted to get it done. But yes, right. <laughs> like, as soon as that email comes in, yep. 
<clears throat> so, so that's uh, that's really important. So, I, I would argue that it's almost three companies if you're also doing maintenance, right? Because if you're maintenance, your management, we just we're like real geeky with the property management. So we 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 separate the two also for insurance reasons, I like specifically it. with the snow. We want to have like one company that deals with swinging hammers, the other company that's more checklists and 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 uh, you know, the files and reporting and opening mail and all that. And then you have the, you have that acquisition side. So you're still pretty active on the acquisition side. What is, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it's my next opportunity to grow the company is figuring that piece out because we want to continue to grow, right? I mean, we've had all these promotions and you know, everybody wants to do more deals, right? That employees want to do more deals because maybe a leasing agent gets to step up to property management on a new project. Like they, that's a career path. They, they love that opportunity to get more, more work, more money and a promotion. And they're proud about taking on a project. Well, we want to, I want to keep providing that investors. Of course, we've been growing the investor base for years. They want to be in more good deals, right? We want to keep doing these deals. So we, we want to be doing acquisitions. Now we're talking Q2 of 2023. Debt markets are wonky. Interest rates are higher than they've been in a while. So all real estate is kind of slowed down a little bit, but it's not dead. We're, we're, still, we're still buying and selling stuff. It's just, it's, it's a little bit um, muted, right? Compared to how it's been the last couple of years. So acquisitions piece um, right now is I actually tried to hire a director of acquisitions last quarter didn't work out. I jumped back in the seat, kind of got the pipeline filled back up. I started a brokerage with a business partner of mine where we've got a number of brokers and an analyst. So a lot of the heavy lifting gets done by them. Um, and I'm considering hiring an acquisitions associate now, which is somebody that I can kind of coach and work with over the next year or so to really be that third leg of the stool to, to, I mean, you gotta have a pipeline that's just 40, 50 deals. And yeah. I am not fulfilling that right now because I've got other, other duties. So um, right now it's looking, you know, it's meeting a couple of times a week with that brokerage to say, Hey, what deals have you guys underwritten? What are we looking at? What should we swing at? What should we put offers out on and working with, I mean, we work with dozens of different brokers that have listings and just kind of going through that and managing a pipeline of 20, 30 deals at any given time and trying to get a few of those further down the pipeline to, to get into escrow and then hopefully get most of those across the, the closing table. Um, so my job is just kind of overseeing that pipeline and making decisions outside of that. You know, there's transaction folks, there's accounting, everything that kind of handles the, the nuts and bolts of wiring earnest money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm still in the driver's seat on acquisitions, but I think I can kind of start to scale some of that to somebody else. It's just, that's, that's my current project. I would say for the next, you know, the next year, because that the gas pedal has to be down on acquisitions all the time. Cause it just takes so many offers. You know, if you let your, your foot off the gas there, your pipeline in 60, 90, days, three, four months, it's just going to die. And we, we don't want that to happen. Exactly. We could exist that way. We could just manage the portfolio, but that's not fun for me. That's not exciting to me. You know, I want to be growing the company. Uh, I want to be doing this for a while. So yeah, that's kind of the current state of acquisitions for how we, how we do things. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, so Devin, let, let's transition into, you have built a great organization. 
you you come across calm, cool, collective, stable, um, having fun. Uh, you know what what do you do to take care of you? Yeah, it's a it's a really important question, I think, for any entrepreneur. And you know, I think the bottom line is I I just have always done what I want in life. And you know, when I was in my twenties, I I sang in a bar band. That's what I wanted to do. I did go to college. I got a degree, but uh, I thought I was going to be a musician, you know, and, and that was just me doing what I wanted to do. And now today it's kind of look at, look at him 44 years old. And I'm like, I'm still kind of just doing what I want to do. I want to run a business. I want to have a team. I want to be doing deals. I want to be taking care of employees and investors and be, you know, a part of the community that's, that's contributing and, and be a part of San Antonio and be in the business community here, all that stuff. But I've never kind of let off doing what I want to do. So I take, um, I take downtime super seriously. You know, I think there's kind of that athlete mentality of take care of men, like take care of your star athletes. Like they, you don't just work them all the time, right? You gotta have that downtime. And so taking days off, taking free days to completely unplug and unwind, super important. And we built this whole incredible life for my family that the business has allowed. And, you know, you ask, so I'll, I'll tell you, I, and I'm not just trying to, um, you know, throw this all out there, but one of my goals for my family is 24 vacations a year. So, you know, we've got, um, a number of ranches around Texas. So we'll, I'll get the boys and we'll fly out there in the helicopter. I'm a helicopter and airplane pilot and we'll go hunt. We'll go stay out there. We'll go camp. Sometimes the whole family will go. The girls aren't as big on it as, as the boys are, but we all go. Um, we've got a beach house and in Texas and we'll fly down there and, and play golf and spend time down at the beach and go fishing. Um, we'll take trips around the, around the country in the, in the plane. We're going to Belize, uh, next month. And, you know, these family, my kids are eight, 13, eight, 11 and 13. So this is prime time. Like mm. I'm there, we got a couple of years here and, you know, that was the drive for me behind buying a, buying a plane was we want to take the family nice. everywhere. And so part of that, uh, has fed back into the business of, well, the business got to be doing well to support that. And, you know, financially, but it's also going to be doing well from a systems and people perspective that I'm not the bottleneck. So it's forced me to get really good about delegation systems processes and make sure that, you know, some transaction isn't held up because I need to wire the earnest money in, right? There's processes in place for all that stuff. So, um, for me right now, it's, it's family. It's a lot of scheduled downtime, lots of trips and vacations. And I like a short trip. I like two nights somewhere. You know, I, I don't like to go somewhere for two weeks. I'm antsy. You know, I like downtime. I turn off the phone. I totally unplug, spend time with my family. But after two, three days of that, like I'm dying to sink my teeth into some challenging work. So having that um, balance, I think of, of both, enough of both, you know, lots of family time, but then lots of really focused work time where I feel energized and I want to be doing it and I'm not burnt out makes me, I feel super effective at work. And so I'm kind of always doing what I want. I'm either at work, energized, refreshed, and just getting into it. 
or I'm unplugging with the family, totally unplugging, you know, absolutely making memories and doing crazy stuff with the, with the kids and with my wife. Um, and, and I, you know, I, my, my motto is that every day is a good last day. And I feel like I've, it took a number of years to kind of dial that in, but I really truly feel like that I'm, I'm hitting that most of the time. It's not perfect, but yeah, that I am, you know, really truly enjoying myself in all of it. I'm in, in work and in the other things I do outside of work. So long answer there, but I think, uh, you know, the, the punchline is being intentional about having this recovery time. That's, and when you take that seriously, then you're going to be that much better when you are back into switched on work mode. They're beautiful. And then how do, what are the things that you're doing to take care of the community around you? There's a lot less in your bio. I think it's wonderful. You, you, you've taken this to the next level beyond just some charitable contributions. So what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's, um, there's certainly some mentorship component that I enjoy, uh, at this stage of my life and trying to help, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, other real estate entrepreneurs, things like that in ways that I can be effective. There's the, the 501 C three foundation, which is kind of systematically set up to take in profits from a couple of our companies that we can make grants out of. Hmm. And that that's been a cool balance for as the business does better, the, the foundation does better and we can, we can give away money. It's super, super cool and, and fun to do. Um, and then just kind of realizing our, our part in the community as stewards of a lot of these assets. So there's all kind of assets that we have now in, in San Antonio and, um, we've, we've got them for now, you know, someday somebody else will have them, but we've got them for now and just trying to be stewards of those assets and then stewards of our people's time. Right. I mean, we've got employees and while they're here with us, um, we want to be good stewards of, of their time with us. So it's certainly not perfect, right? Running a business is crazy and hard and always changing, but just being cognizant of that and then being specific about how we, you know, programmatically kind of give money away based on the, this, the, uh, company doing well. And then that's led to all kinds of other things, right? All kind of other, um, connections with, with other foundations and the kids seeing us do this, it just kind of has turned into this, this whole other part of, of my life that, um, feels like a real good balance instead of, yeah, Hey, we got big, big goals, right? We got big monetary goals, big unit goals, you know, all the stuff that creates opportunities. But, um, there's also kind of a balance that, that, uh, comes through the foundation and kind of giving some money away. So, always trying to improve that, but it is a component of the, of the whole thing for us, for sure. Yeah. I love it. My friend, man, we've covered a lot of bases here. I, I think you're, you're a guest that I'd love to have back on really and go deeper oh, in, into some of this because you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. I love, I love how humble you are, but I also like the fact that you can just get in your helicopter with your buddies, go have some fun, you know, and yeah. then, and, uh, short. you know, <laughs> kicking butt there and then, and then, and then come back to be the best, you're the best version of yourself there. And then you come back and you're the best version. It seems like, um, I've had conversations with individuals before and whom you see me here is really who I am everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. With the children, with my wife, with the, like I'm Rob, I'm just, this is, and they're like, nah, that can't be true. You got to have your work version and your debt. I'm like, 
Nah, man. Like it's just kind of, I just do me. I'm not, there's no mask that I take on and off. I'm just doing, I'm doing me. I might be more purposeful in one area of my life than another when I am looking at a real estate deal or walking a construction site or meeting with a client, seeing how I can best offer value to them. But the same thing with going out and having fun, hanging out with the kids. And, and uh, it seems like you're living a good life. And I think you've built this life by design and really honored this, this, this life. And I'd love to have you back on for another episode and go a little deeper. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed talking to you, Rob. This is a lot of fun and uh, honored to be on the show. So thank you for that. Wonderful, man. So in the show notes, okay for people to reach out. We, we, I dropped the website before, the djetexas.com. I'm, I'm on the site that says team. And uh, so I, I, you can see all the people that you, that, that, that you reference there and the, and the different roles. And I think what you've just, that website right there is really helpful at least for somebody like me who is looking to build out my team further say, okay, so how does, you know, for 2,200 doors, what does this look like? How many communities right. might that be? You know, and, and uh, the information's out there. People are willing to ask and willing mm-hmm. to just, Hey, you know, get on, get on a phone call with somebody. And, um, you know, we've all been somewhere else and, and there's nobody better suited to, to, to help somebody else out than where we were at that time and yeah. what we've gotten to now. And that's, uh, I think you really, you really speak that and honor that. And I think it's great that you're able to give back and, and have this time with your, with your, with your kids and your family right now. And, and, uh, happy for you, my friend. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you over this last 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, it's awesome catching up and, um, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. So we'll put your, uh, put the website in the show notes and, and, uh, we, we, we wish you well for the next, for the next great adventure that you're taking. Sounds great, Rob. Thanks so much, man. This is a lot of fun. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Living Well with RentWell. We hope you loved that episode. Please be sure to head over to our website at rentwell.com backslash vision. We're giving away our free program called Vision Through Purposeful Action. If you're a busy person, if you struggle with finding the time and priorities, or if you're experiencing procrastination and overwhelm, this free course will help you with that. We wish you a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in and check in later.